Welcome to the show. You can watch and subscribe to the Project FIA TV show on YouTube. Drop comments and questions to us on the podcast via Twitter. Our handle is Project FIA. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is Project FIA Goes PC. This is episode 72 of FIA Goes PC. And as always, I am your host, Rebels and aka Danny Hale. And I thought I'd begin this episode uh, with a little clip. You heard a lot of crazy celebration and I bet a lot of you are like, what the hell is that? What, what's all that about? Well, that was the uh, best team in the world. Just going to say it of any sport and anything in general and life and all kinds of things. Uh, for the first time in 30 years, basically they won the Premier League and they're champions, and that's Liverpool Football Club. And it's their reaction. That's honest to God, the reaction of the team. Uh, on a technicality, we won the league. We've still got seven games left. But basically three points and averages in the league. Man City lost against Chelsea. And so we win because no one can beat us. We're that far ahead of the pack, which is course standard. We should be that far ahead of the pack. It's not a demand. It's not a, a thing that we, we we know. Every person in Liverpool knows it. Every person that's a Liverpool supporter knows it. And the reason that we're celebrating is because it just confirms all of our own egos and confirms that we are the best in the world at what we do. And we are. Aren't we? So, to the producer who's... What are you doing? Fishing? You haven't introduced me yet. I was, I was talking like we were a novel. I said unto the producer who was fishing, hi, hi. Winifred, say hello. Hi. Right, cool. You just tailspin <laughs> whenever I talk about the glory of me and all of our supporters, don't you? Yeah, we're, we're the best team in the world. It's just Congratulations. Fact. Thank you. It's been 30 years in the making. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very exciting for you guys. It's kind of interesting, though, because especially with um, the semi-lockdown that's happening. It's kind of sad that not everyone can get together and celebrate. Well, it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. We had three months without football, mm. uh, and the league really ended in two games. Yeah. Like, three games, really. Yeah. Uh, very strange. But also, uh, let me just... I'm going to give some clarification. There's a lot of people who don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Okay, so we're talking about the Premier League football. You know me. I support Liverpool. Everyone knows that. Uh, it's not like I hide it or anything. But basically, the Premier League is the top tier league in the uh, UK of football. Since its conception, Liverpool's never won it. We used to win countless times before the league trophy. Uh, before the Premier League days, we've never won it during the Premier League days, and it's been thirty years. That 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 whole existence has been thirty years. We got close to it, mm. got really close to it, and then someone pulled the trophy away on string and ran off with it, and we never got it. But we got it now, mm -hmm. and I think the important thing is there's well two things happened. One, the team did something really unique. If you don't know anything about football, guys, and I'm not going to go into this too much because obviously everyone in the UK is going to be bored to death with this stuff and a lot of people around the world know about it so I don't have to 
go on and on and on. But what I will say is this, Jürgen Klopp, our manager, who, thank you, Germany, if you're listening, uh, for, for giving us Jürgen Klopp. Very much appreciated. He's changed our world in the UK in sports and everything. He really has. Mm-hmm. And basically, he suggested that the team goes into a bubble they were in recovery in a hotel mm-hmm. after the Crystal Palace fixture that we absolutely battered them and dominated them from start to finish without mercy. It was brilliant to watch. Um, we're in that hotel recovering. And basically the suggestion was, let's all watch the Man City fixture. Come win, lose or draw. Let's just watch it. Right. And he said, because if Chelsea win and Man City lose and we win the title because of that technicality, Every one of you will regret it for the rest of your life if you're not there as a team to watch that. Mm-hmm. So he made it a compulsory thing. He was umming and ahhing it the night before. This is a team that, with all the management staff and all of this stuff, everyone really together, been tested, all kinds of stuff to mm-hmm. make sure everyone mm-hmm. could do this. He made it a compulsory thing. And of course, bang on the money. It was worth it. It was worth it because we actually, the first time 30 years, won, won the league that yeah. night. And I think it's just, uh, it's outstanding. It's outstanding for so many reasons. It's outstanding because it almost feels like glory at the end of the tunnel to so many mm-hmm. people. There's been so much loss and misery and darkness. Yeah. We've not known if our football league, and to a British person, we're, we're, like, here's the thing, right? You could say what you want about British people. You can. But we only have really one magnanimous sport, and that's football. Rugby's got its crew, cricket's got its crew, mm-hmm. golf's got its crew, but football is the nation's sport. And it's so ingrained in our culture. This is 200 plus years mm-hmm. of our culture, right? So a lot of people don't really get that. It gets brutal in the World Cup, I'll be honest. Yep. <laughs> um, but basically for clubs and, you know, the Premier League is literally the holy grail of it. And what it really is. And for us, we've had so much heartache over the years trying mm-hmm. to get this trophy yeah. and gone through so much drama and, 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 you know, really horrible things mm-hmm. to get here, you know, Hillsborough being one of them. And yes, that was a tragedy. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into too long. Like I said, a lot of people in the UK know the story, but even if you're our biggest rival, even if you're not really too fussed, if you go spend five minutes on YouTube to see Klopp's reaction, Jürgen Klopp's reaction, it's the most real thing you'll ever see in sports. Mm-hmm. He had to cut the interview off because he was crying. He was that overwhelmed by it. Mm. Because this is a city, folks, if you don't know it, that lives and breathes and and is the team. The support in that city, the iconic status that the club has got in Liverpool is unlike anything you'll ever see. It really is. And now that's just amped up 10 billion. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's very much integrated with the the identity of the city. It really like has. Beatles, it yeah. really has. I mean, I'm not saying that's not true of other countries. Of course it is. Sure. But in the UK, it's it's one of the biggest. I mean, we we say like big super club. Super club is when you've got more money than sense and you can just buy like a two billion seated mega stadium and have whoever you want, just like whichever player you want, because you can just pick them out like a packet of cornflakes prize. But Liverpool is a club that's become a super club through the effort and the passion of the supporters and the management and the upper tiers. You know, it's actually owned by the Fenway Group, who own the uh, the Boston Red Sox. So, mm. uh, if you're in Boston right now, cheers. 
That's what I'm going to say. We're linked in a weird way. Mm. And one day we'll uh, play Base Football, which is a great film by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. That hasn't happened yet. Base football? Base football, yeah. It's like oh, ba- basketball. Basketball. But it's base football, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But they'll be confused because football over there is different. Massively different. <laughs> Massively different. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like uh, that's the that's the sports talk. But mm. what I will say is uh, to anyone in Liverpool right now, man, who's a big fan of club or worldwide listening, because we get fans from all over the place. Also, fans of Jurgen Klopp, people mm. from Dortmund who follows Korean Mans, where he's from. Thank you, thank you for opening everyone's mind to this incredible force of love and happiness and funny and uh, you know smarts that is Jurgen Klopp. He's, he's like a funny guy. The, he's like the most disheveled, <laughs> brilliant mind in football. He really is a genius. I this mm. guy is gonna go down in history as the Einstein of football, I'm pretty sure. But he's the funny uncle. He is, but he's also, without a shadow of a doubt, the most real person mm. in any sport I've ever seen. Like the most organic, real, honest, yeah. truthful, passionate guy, you know. We're the jealousy of many people, is what we are right now. Mm. But yeah, Germany, thank you for Jürgen Klopp. What a legend. So, football's done. 30 years in the making. One hell of a thing. That was the honest team reaction that you heard at the beginning of this episode. I had to throw it in there. Uh, if only to shove Manchester's face in it. Why not? Uh, they've you yeah, Well, you know, Chelsea supporters have given Steven Gerrard enough about the slip. It's an infamous moment in Liverpool history. Mm-hmm. One of the best players to ever live come from the city. Icon, retired without lifting a trophy. Absolutely gutted I was when he went. Still am, to be honest. It's actually cool that he manages Glasgow Rangers, though, because I get to see him on TV, and that's all that matters to me. Dude's an icon again. Another icon that's come from a club. So many of them. Yeah. I will say, um, yeah, the slip that he had cost us the league against Man City. Mm. Um, because we lost that Chelsea fixture and then Man City took it from us last season again we had Man City pipped us out of the post at the end we were like one point shy of winning it yeah you came second it's been it's been torture it really has we won the Champions League which is the European Super League if you will Mm -hmm. but we didn't get that so to actually have almost Chelsea doing what they did to us to Man City's karma. Mm. They say you don't believe in karma, it's there. <laughs> um, but the biggest one, I think, of where this is most positive is that you have a team of multi ethnic, multi faith, multicultural squad that is combined with loads of different languages, loads of different nationalities, combined without a problem as a major team. Mm-hmm. A team that wants it, a team that's hungry, a team that's passionate about each other. Throughout the whole COVID situation, they've yep. been hanging out with each other in net, net meetings and stuff like this. I was going to say Netflix. I don't think they would. How'd you hang out <laughs> no. on Netflix? We'll go to Netflix. All right, I'll join you. Um, but no, it's just so reverse sentiment to how we've all been told we hate each other and we're segregating and all this stuff. Yeah. God's honest truth, folks, is that I've said this before. I'm just going to reiterate it. The best teams in the world you're ever going to get are multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-faith. Mm-hmm. The more perspective, the more wisdom, the more intelligence and the less ignorance that you have about anything, the better it's going to be. And on that note, popcorn. Popcorn? Yeah, popcorn. When can we have popcorn ever again 
at the cinema. Um, How do you socially distance and serve popcorn? I've been wondering about this. It's deeply, uh, uh, it's deeply difficult. I don't know if deeply difficult is a song. It should be if it isn't. Uh, yeah, popcorn. How do you get popcorn in cinema? Cinemas are going to open soon. We've been told here. We're, we're basically. I think they open on July fourth. Yeah. Well, most things, and this is another thing. Most things in the UK, literally millions of people are aware of this date, July the fourth, because it's very significant. Yes. To these people, millions of them, mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of them, and in these hundreds of millions of people, it's a very special day because it's when they declared independence from us. By the way. Correct. Uh, me. Mostly. From you specifically? They, yeah. When when I left America, <laughs> it, I mean, it was a huge send-off. They were all very happy I'd gone. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the smell so that I left So important that they made a film. Yeah, they did. Yeah. With aliens. I don't know how you get that. How do you get that? you're an alien. It's kind of weird. By the way, I've got an issue with that film. Okay. Okay. Because Independence Day, as we all know, is when the British left and America declared independence and it had a civil war moments later, but psh, moving on. Um... <laughs> The actual movie, however, mm. was the irony. Aliens are now blowing up America. Now, you could argue if you're British, you're looking at that going, are we the aliens in this story? Mm. But we're not. It's okay. not a historical story. It's not based on the actual Independence Day. And I just thought we'll tell a story as an alien invasion. It's not that. What it actually is, is the irony, almost an Alanis Morissette irony, I've got to be honest, of the aliens coming down to attack Earth on July the 4th, which so happens to be American Independence Day. And of course they win. Mm. So they take back their Independence Day. Mm. It was such a patriotic act. By the way, London got leveled in that movie. Paris got leveled in that movie. Everyone got leveled except for America. Yeah. They're all right. Washington, D.C. got leveled. But you can always build a new palace for your president. Well, they're the heroes <laughs> of the world, aren't they? you got to change the White House name. It's very obvious. <laughs> you got to call it something like Spandavalivorous Place or something. You know, Palace... Don't say it, Winifred. Don't say Trump Tower. No, don't go there. You can't call it that. It's not really a tower, to be honest. It could be if you remade it. Stack it on top of each other. Mm. Then it would be. Yeah, you can't say that it's going to be called Trump's uh, Eastern Palace of Wisdom and stuff. Because he might not be there come November. So basically, I take issue with Independence Day. A lot of American films basically went in through the 80s. Even just prior to the eighties and through the nineties, they didn't paint the British in good ways. We you guys were always were the bad guys. We were always the villains. And this was the kind of, you know, mm-hmm. where you're not really helping us with Russia kind of political <laughs> meh. But you know, like we became best buddies uh in the War on Terror Man, mm. which actually does sound like a movie when you think about it, the War on Terror. Yeah. If that was a legitimate movie, the War on Terror, wouldn't that be like censorship to all horror movies? And it'd be a movie where everyone goes around mm. saying, you watch a horror film, and then you're locked up. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah, you got a ho- yeah you're making a horror film and just lock everyone. Because it should have been <laughs> literal. You can't be terrified ever again. Because the most ironic thing that's actually happened since the war on terror is that the media has made us more terrified. Yeah. Every yeah. day ever since, it's been like the most money in the world is actually terrifying you. Mm. You know, rather than telling you something about a fluffy bunny rabbit. Interestingly, when you see how YouTube generation's gone from, say, here's broadcasting news where all doom and gloom and stuff's happening. Mm -hmm. And then here's YouTube where the most watched clips are all fluffy dogs and cats and stuff. Cat videos. Yeah, exactly. 
So it's almost like, well, if you actually knew your demographic and your people that you're watching, your ratings would be better if you actually showed <laughs> us more stupid puppies and <laughs> rabbits and stuff. Mm. Anyway, I'm just saying that. So, yeah, we took issue with a lot of stuff like uh, being British. The Americans always mm. looked at us like we were the villain characters. So it was a soft political dig, mm -hmm. to be honest. And then we became best buddies, i.e. taken every major role in America ever since. So it's worked in our favor yeah uh, but we had to be american in it <laughs> so batman is mm -hmm. is british but had to be american you know we don't have anything i know they've tried it's kind of it makes me laugh because they've tried to put robin hood in the same breath as superman and spider-man and batman right. you know here's a guy that quote unquote is based on a true myth story <laughs> which is Character. it's kind of like there, there's he could have been real you know, is uh, once upon a time in the world of Nottingham, <laughs> there was a guy in green that pranced around with a bow and arrow, and lived in a forest and stuff. Yeah. And he nicked stuff. And he nicked stuff, and he got he nicked stuff from the rich, and he gave it to the big issue guy. Yeah, if you're actually from England, that was really funny. Because you don't know what the big issue guy is if you're not. Anyway, come here and find out what the big issue guy is. So all I'm saying is we don't have. We have James Bond. OK, we have James Bond. James Bond is our, you know, iconic character, mm -hmm. if you will, in film. He's big enough to be signed up to Sony. Let's put it that way. All right. Okay. Um, Daniel Craig, exceptional job doing James Bond, revived it over the years and mm -hmm. many different people different guys different fashions da, 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 da. but is a womanizing alcoholic psychopathic nutter who gets through his covert operations by introducing himself to absolutely everyone which last time As i checked <laughs> isn't really what you do at least batman's got the dual identity factor yeah <laughs> we've just got a guy who's so confident in his completely smarmy he'd be done by the me too movement let's be honest here's a guy that's got more illegitimate children ran around for um... more of his you know this is this is not a good look man so even our most successful guys are majorly flawed. Batman's biggest flaw is his parents got killed. Mm -hmm. It's not his fault. Yeah. He was just there to be traumatized by it. Brilliantly written. He's got this debt, but he's got a code of honor. But we've got James Bond, who's got no code of anything. He's, <laughs> he's like what every schmuck wants to live, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and then you've got, you've got in his, his kind of, we've got Robin Hood, who's a thief. What a great iconic character that is. He nicks on the rich and gives to the poor, but he's a thief. Bit That's a still yob. a crime. Yeah. <laughs> he also steals from children. You know, <laughs> it's a stupid thing. And his rich name's children. Only rich, rich children. children. And his name's Robin Hood. So, you know, like you could probably find him. He's in the yellow pages. He does have a pseudonym, right? They've tried to pass it like he does. You know, and he's they try to the pseudonym. Well, they've said that. Because he's got a hood. Yeah, they've said, they've said loads of different things about it. You know, mm. there's loads of different things. Yeah, we got King Arthur. Yeah. You know, it's a good story, but obviously not believable. And, and every time it's really addressed to kind of be brought back as a big thing, it's always done badly. I mean, Guy Ritchie had a good go at it, but it, it, yeah, it's weird. It was all right as a film. If you ever get the chance to see the King Arthur, I think it's called Legend of the Sword or something like that. But again... It's dark, it's gritty, it's not as accessible as Spider-Man or Batman or Superman or Marvel or DC. Mm. So when we then involve to our other 
candidates for British superheroes. And they start wavering very thin after that. We've got Sherlock Holmes, but he was an opium addict. Not good luck. <laughs> so we can't really sell that to the kids, can you? Hey, here's your childhood role model. And he hates people. He's sociopathic. Yeah. Exactly. Antisocial. Yeah, total freak, you know. Um, the weirdo in the corner. Yeah, brilliant detective, but nutter, right? Mm -hmm. So we're flawed. And it's, I mean, Shakespeare, everything's tragic or it's funny or it's not really, you know, it's not iconic role models and stuff like this. What we are, we, we've got flawed characters. So obviously, if you're in America and you're fed up of, you know, oh, that guy, that guy was really good as Batman. Oh, he's British. Oh, that sucks. You know, Ben Affleck's not British, but you didn't like anything he did. So obviously, Christian Bale is the definitive Batman. Thank you very much. I know, you're welcome. Michael Caine, definitive Alfred. Thank you very much. English character. Yep, yep, yep. He's an English superhero, but he's an old man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we suck. This is the point I'm trying to say to folks. Mm. The reason that our actors are in all of these targeted spots is because we can't, you know, what can we do Lord of the Rings 500 times? We don't really have the range, you know, of stuff in our mythology. Maybe we should. In fact, I do believe Marvel actually wrote a, a Captain Britain or something character. They never sold a single comic. Even in England, we thought that's ironic. We've got a hero. We're not going to buy that. We need flaws. <laughs> we need super drunk guy. That's unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd been realistic if it was basically the same sort of story, World War II, Captain America kind of premise. That's the super soldier serum. But the British super soldier serum had a defect, which makes him a wild alcoholic. <laughs> so basically, it only works if it's triggered by beer. So he has to have a load of beer to become Captain America's size and strength and stuff. So he's basically fueled by alcohol. That would be a perfect British superhero because mm. we need a major He basically major turns flaw. into a football yob. Yeah, exactly. A hooligan. <laughs> yeah. But he's got super strength. <laughs> Only if he has an fail. Yeah. It's like the Incredible Hulk, but instead of anger, it's beer, right? Yeah. That kind of thing. Anyway, that's, that's, that's a free thought for you, Marvel, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, you should totally do that. James Bond has to be... I think a lot of people, the historical context of that is it's gone, it's done. I know people still love it because of mythologies and whatever, and it's almost like you're directed to it because of the branding, but... We need to really remodel that character. We need something new. We need something... Well, the issue I always had with James Bond is how little bloody spy work he does. <laughs> He's like the worst spy ever. He's, He's just the guy that gets to kill people. Gadgets. Well, in the, some of the Daniel Craig stuff he hasn't. He's, it, they've tried to do raw edge stuff, mm. but... There's a lot of more covert operation in... Uh, the recent ones than historical ones. If you got back to sort of Sean Connery or Roger Moore or the Pierce Brosnan era, you know, it's just basically possibly the worst action films you've ever seen in your life. It's almost like action films and the wise one line in wisecracks started in that era of the Bond films. I, I don't know, man. Everyone's got their own likes and dislikes. A lot of people think they're the best thing since sliced bread. Mm. I always wondered why a Scottish guy plays a guy from Oxford uh, that then you learn later is actually from Scotland uh, in the Daniel Craig mythology because Sean Connery was a prolific screen actor, but he was terrible at accents. And for some reason, he just ran into roles that really exaggerated how bad he was at accents. For example... He's meant to be James Bond in James Bond. He's the original James Bond, mm -hmm. but he's super Scottish. Yeah. And the dude's from Oxford at this point in the mythology, so that didn't work out. Mm. He's then 
Spanish in the Highlander, Ramirez, great role, but he's Scottish. You've then got a French guy playing the Scottish character. It's very confused, mm. you know. And then you've got him as uh, King of England in Robin Hood, who in the historical thing that they were trying to create in that history had just been fighting with the Scots. Mm. So he's actually playing the English guy that killed his own people with the Scottish accent. So it's almost like... How long did that war go on? The King of England suddenly is now Scottish. The question is, who did the casting? Well, this is the thing that used to... It's a very good... Because we're kind of going to the theme of what was 30 years ago like, right? Mm. Well, it's a really good conversation to have with that. Because back in those days, the British public was so uh, unanimously one and the same... That it didn't matter if you're Scottish, Welsh, or, no one really knew no. in the US, in Hollywood, especially what Welsh and Scottish was. Yeah. So everyone was just, oh, you're British, okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll put you in a British camp, chuck you all in the same box. So it's really just the appeal mm. of that cameo, because it was always a surprise cameo, he wasn't credited. So when he turns up in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, you were like, oh my God, it's Sean Connery. Is mm. You know, you didn't process it, at least if you're American, you probably wouldn't, but... A lot of people here did. I just want to make that known. Uh, because we had a lot of issues with that film being English. For example, Kevin Costner was the hero, mm -hmm. American, mm -hmm. playing an English guy. Christian Slater was the kind of anti-hero, again, American, playing an English guy. British woman? No. She was an American actress. And then we have the only British character in the whole thing is Scottish. Mm -hmm. And he's killing Scots. Yeah. It's brilliant. Morgan Freeman as a Moor. Can you understand? Because there's a lot of people have an issue with us playing the roles of Americans. This used to happen all the time. You would take the hero roles of British characters. For example, Braveheart. Mm -hmm. Mal Gibson, more American than most Americans. I know he's half Australian, essentially. But he, playing a Scottish hero in an American blockbuster movie. And this is the thing that's really funny about Braveheart. The guy he's playing, William Wallace... Mm -hmm. Wasn't a barbarian or a Celtic tribal guy with war paint on. He was a like in full clad leather, almost musketeer looking dude. Right. It was way more evolved as an era. Yeah. But the way they Portrayed depicted him, it in yeah. Braveheart was like Scotland was, you know, defending its independence against the, you know, it was like. It was a bit barbaric. See, it, it was like the beginning <laughs> of Scotland. Like, oh, we're back when we was like, what, proper clubbing each other in the face like that. <laughs> It's like, dude, really? You know, anyway, so it's kind of funny. But, of course, no one's ever thought, oh, well, we were casting all our guys in your roles when they were the hero roles. And, of course, it's fine to cast Alan Rickman as the evil guy in Robin Hood because mm. he's British. It's fine to cast <laughs> British people to be British in Braveheart because they're British. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it's like you can see this political thing. And of course, I'm just saying this to people out there who might be mad that a load of English actors have taken your roles in recent years in America. It's because of politics. We're now liked mm. by the industry and the industry can turn around and go, hey, you got a lot of institutions out there like RADA, Lambda, RSC and all this. We, we got the world's best actors, you know, in theatre. I mean, I don't think anyone would debate that with us. There's obviously... Europe has probably got the world's best actors, I would say. The whole of Europe, you mm. know. America is new to this game. You invented Hollywood. Sure, yeah, you know, it's cool. But Athens been going on since the Greeks. And uh, last time I checked, European. Uh, just saying. 
But of course, everyone gets that. Mm -hmm. There's no contest. We're all safe. You know, Judy Dench, we all know how wonderful she is. Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, Anthony Hopkins, you know. But it's a long time coming for us. Even longer for Welsh actors. We just watched a really good thing, and this is a recommendation, if anyone can get onto the BBC iPlayer in region, mm -hmm. was a thing with David Tennant and Michael Sheen, which your brother, and I'm going to give a shout out for the first time ever, Rob, if you're listening. Thank you for recommending that. It's a really good show. Won't ruin it. But it's a real life mockumentary, I guess, of a certain situation. And the actor Michael Sheen, very famous for Twilight, is famous as the White Rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. That's Michael Sheen. He's been in loads of stuff. Frost, Nixon and David Tennant, who all of you know is Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. Uh, one of the most uh, iconic roles he's played and yeah. other stuff. Both of these guys are classically trained. Both of them have done stuff for the National Theatre and, yeah. and RSC. All I'm going to say is it's brilliant. It's really good because it's so clever, um, fundamentally super clever in how to mm -hmm. reimagine things in this time. And again, I like to nod people to stuff that I think is positive coming out of this really negative situation. That was one. It was really good. So if you have access to BBC iPlayer, it is a mini series called Staged. Mm -hmm. Yep. You didn't actually say what it was called. I did. Did you? Yeah, you'll listen oh, back on the it. edit and feel like a fool. Hmm. Maybe I stage it. <laughs> Shut up. Whoa. Did you hear that other voice? My evil shadow came out. I did cargo bunch and it popped out of my uh, sock. I haven't figured that out yet. You know how ninjas do like duplicate shadow clones? Yeah. yeah, I haven't figured it out. I'm working no. on it. Mm -hmm. I can't make my mind up because it's animated. If they actually do all of the uh, animal signs from classic Japanese kids games, which is what they're doing. Yeah. Um, or, uh, or or if they're rubbing their hands in a certain way really fast, like a vibration technique. I'm trying. I'm, I'm going to get the PhD guys to look into that. Anyone who doesn't know what a PhD guy, they deliver Pizza Hut. Everyone knows that. Pizza Hut delivery. Yeah, yeah. You've got to give them jobs. <laughs> they're bored out of their minds, man, in this coronavirus era. They are. One thing I was going to say, Wim is because you and I have been talking about this for 14 weeks now. We're going to start descending from the label like it's a jagged cliff and we're going to try and find the cove underneath it. <laughs> well, technically, you know, lockdown should be done as we mentioned uh, July 4th. Well, we're so... trying to... Basically, uh, yeah, that was the point. Thanks yeah. for reminding me. Yeah. I went on a way big tangent then. I wasn't sure where it was going. Um, I also want to add... Oh, you can't add anything to that because you're going to add another tangent. In England, we're calling it Independence Day with a T, as in well, like the independent yeah, shops. Yeah. But I just want to say this, man, because if I'm if I'm in America right now, yeah. and I'm just going to say this, right? There's been a history of stuff America's stolen from us, like our national anthem, and then rebranded it. I'm not going to say anything about that, but if you listen to the UK national anthem mm -hmm. after we were kicked out of America, right? Yeah. They rebranded our "God Save the Queen" melody or yeah. King at the time it was King. And re-lyric the whole thing and then took credit as a song. I think it's like a children's song or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Which is like a massive, you know, <laughs> middle finger up to the British Empire. Anyway, my all point I'm gonna is... say is all I'm gonna say is on my point, well done. You put a massive middle finger up to the British Empire, they probably deserved it. But what I'm gonna say is there's been a lot of cases of that kind of, you know, stuff being taken in and rebranded and stuff. This is the first time after Black Friday, which is a commercial holiday, mm -hmm. right? There's no massive significance to it. 
But there is like the first time, and I saw this coming for years, we are going to rebrand American Independence Day with Independent of the Coronavirus Day, which honestly... Independent Shops Day. Exactly. It honestly makes me feel, you know, that kind of creepy... If you had a newt walking up your spine... A right, nuke? A, a newt. A newt? Yeah, I can't help that you thought I was talking about a warhead. You, you silly sausage. Like a, a swamp monster comes out and yeah. it, the tentacles, the, the seaweed tentacle from certain things that I won't mention ever again, uh, comes up your spine and it's really grim and you're just freaking out a bit. To me, it's that kind of feeling because honestly, when America takes anything... It's a state. Well, when America simulates anything of ours, they improve on it. Mm. I'm not going to lie, the lyrics to God Save the Queen, the USA version, way better. It's actually got lyrics. Our lyrics is almost like a beg. Can you please save the Queen? She's really vulnerable and old. You know, it's it's like a pledge. Um, send her victorious, happy with donuts, something like that. Um, everyone knows it, right? Uh, all sing along, kids. It's on the, every karaoke uh, bar list you could ever want. Uh, British National Anthem is really good. But what I'm saying is, when they assimilate stuff, they often they improve it drastically, drastically, right? But when we try and assimilate it, it becomes tweed jackets and and really kind of eh. Do you know what I mean? Like Black Friday doesn't work here in America. You get all the infomercials like, oh, you can get a new plasma screen TV bigger than the universe. You, you know, like. New kettle that you've always wanted, a smart kettle that uh, reads a book as it's making you tea. Oh, you can get Ninja Throwing Stars, 65 for a cent. You know, like crazy stuff, right? But here, it, uh, we, well, it's Black Friday, we'll give you 10% off a couch. It's really English, man, and it's got no pulse. Mm. So hopefully we've absolutely murdered Independence Day, really. Sorry, America, if you're listening. Yeah, it's sad. Anyway, my point was... Oh, you had a point. It doesn't make sense because July the 4th this year is a Saturday. It would make more sense if lockdown ended on a Monday. So things go back to normal. So the fact that it's on a Saturday makes it seem like a very political decision. Well, it is a political decision. 100 percent literally as well yeah. but yeah you know what i mean but it's also like a way to encroach on dates mm -hmm. it, this is something that's really worrying me about global politics like mm -hmm. everyone's i honestly think the world needs to rally as an international body of public people every walk of life farmers to shop owners to pub owners to bar owners to restaurant owners to just people in it, multi-industries, including corporations, we need to just change the way this is done. Mm -hmm. It's not looking good. And I'll say that on that note, because we're talking about American Independence Day. Um, we're stealing it to have UK Independent, Independent Day. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, like I said, it gives me the creeps just saying that. Yeah. Because what, we're going to have Thanksgiving Day soon, where yeah, we just yeah. go around going, oh, thanks, mate. You know, yeah. you don't do anything on it. You just buy stuff and thank people. But it's kind of it's weird a big it's, thing it's, in America. It's, it's you know, changing the cultures. Well, it is, but it's also that it's diminishing the impact of what it means to an American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, it's the same when you hear your national anthem as a kid <laughs> song. I'm not going to lie, yeah. but 
you can understand the sentiment. America was always meant to, USA is meant to be an independent experiment. It mm -hmm. was never meant to be a colonial, you know, tie along. Mm -hmm. They would have linked our countries by chains mm -hmm. so that we could raft our little styrofoam raft to America and just bark at it. You're doing everything wrong and then raft back, you know? I'm glad that they went independent, obviously. Um, beautiful nation, essentially. But the one thing that's so bad right now, we talked about politics, is they're about to have, in the USA, a general election, unlike any other general election. I'll tell you why it's unlike any other general election. One, more people know anything about politics than they ever wanted to know, ever, in the USA. Ever. It was simple in the USA. You liked, yeehaw! Cowboy guns at noon, uh, dragging people by the throat and lassoes on horseback, uh, monster trucks. You like that party, or you like the, um, oh, we're going to think about, you know, solar power. You know, basically, uh, <laughs> we're going to experiment with all this cool stuff. Uh, we're going to help people a lot and live in the field and be back with nature party. You got those two guys. Mm. And then you got some kind of people that are alien in the middle of them that are kind of half of one and half a dozen the other, like the, well, I, I love trees and leaves, but I also like dragging people as seas around the floor. And then on the other side, you got, I love monster trucks, but only if they run on green energy. So you've got like, you've got a bit of both in both, right? Mm. Everyone in the USA knows who I'm talking about. It's the two parties that you will vote. One party's got a cream cake. The other one's got a chocolate cake. One party's got loads of noise and, you know, bombastic uh, brass bands. The other one's got rock and roll and a massive metal fest. It's just which party you prefer to go to, you know, to be honest. That's basically how it is. <laughs> Uh, and your party loyalty, it's all dependent on the cake that they're serving that day. All I'm going to say is, right, we all know, we're all very, uh, none of us in Europe, by the way, I just want to point is this out there. Is there a reggae party? I'll go to that one. If there's a reggae party, it's in Jamaica, and they don't <laughs> want nothing to do with any of us because they're, they're sensible. But all I'm going to say is, like, if you're looking at the whole thing from distance, one thing Americans don't know, so if you're in America right now, okay, I'm going to clarify this. I'm just acknowledging you before the producer has a go at me. A lot of people realize, or they're led to believe, that their democracy is somewhat similar to anything in Europe. It isn't. So when people make that assumption that Europe put their idea constitution in based on their democracy, it's nothing like ours. Mm -hmm. There isn't a place in Europe that looks like American politics. Not one. Yeah. Maybe the European Parliament that's not really worked out looks a little like it. But this whole Senate to Congress to, you know, yeah. there's so many things about America. Like, let's look at the law enforcement. You've got the NSA, uh, the RSC. The Banga Banga, the State Sheriff, the Sheriff Sheriff, the Department of Deputy Sheriff, the uh, guy with the gun in the in the tower, the lifeguard community. Uh, what you got loads of things, federal stuff. So you got like the FBI, the IBF, the what? JX, the Flappy Flop Flips. You yes, got what's loads. Your point? The point is that everything's convoluted mm -hmm. to take power so far away from the general public. Right. That it's so confusing. By the end of it, you're like, does any of this really matter? It's mm. very depressing. You know, like you've got, like, this is the thing. You get, so, you know, every state's got a governor. Every city in that state's got a mayor. Mm. Every governor's got to talk to the senator. 
and every senator's got to pass stuff through to Congress. Mm. It's like nuts. It makes me think. Uh, it's basically a whole power play. It this is. is it's, it's like on TV or in films where like the FBI guy or someone swoops in, comes in, in takes jurisdiction. Says, oh, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is our our exactly scene that. Like the the <laughs> here, yeah, you know, like Miami PD have yeah. just been cracking this case for years, man. Been cracking this case for years, and then, and then this FBI dude hands. comes in. Yeah. Oh, I, I got jurisdiction over this, exactly. and, and yeah, it's, it's exactly just power that. Play. But that's the thing; everything supersedes to the next bureau. Obviously, mm. the court system was the same. Yeah, you got your local courts, your supreme courts, your yeah, yeah, mega yeah. supreme, your extra supreme with more pepperoni than the last <laughs> supreme. The federal uh, courts, the uh, advanced federal, the criminal crown court of federal, uh, <laughs> more olives than anchovies law. Uh, court, uh, you got loads of different divisions. Now, a lot of people don't know about the last court that they've got. Uh, you've also got tennis courts. So, <laughs> it's, it gets very crazy. If all life was settled on a tennis court, mm. we'd have a lot of criminals on the street. That's all I'm going to say. What? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Think about it. Well, it's only guilty if Pete Sampras loses this fixer and he's an amazing player. So it's, That's it's absurd. No, and yeah, absurd. Your lawyer is the tennis player. So your defense lawyer is a tennis player, your prosecution lawyer is a tennis player, and it's settled on the tennis court. And whoever wins the tennis match wins the court case, obviously. To be fair, at Can you this imagine point if that was reality? Time, the fact that it, anyway. a lot of cases are quite arbitrary is, you know... Exactly. Uh, but I think the point that I'm trying to say uh, is a lot of people are getting into their politics in the USA. For the first time in history, they're getting savvy. Social media is helping them. A lot of people are more informed than they've ever been in their life. Yep. As uh, Maybe they didn't want to be. Mm. Maybe they're happy just to go to the chocolate cake party or the other cake party. But they're basically getting into this stuff quite intensely now. Yeah. And I think the, the point that I'm trying to say to America right now, your issue is, and trust me, I'm, you know, we've got issues in this country because you might have all of these layers of complication. We have arcane layers of complication that, that again, gives you that creepy, swampy seaweed crawling up your spine feeling. I mean, that's our politics, okay? We've just got a bunch of idiots that just mouth off at each other. Nothing gets done. Mm. Everyone raises questions. It's all stupid. We need reform. We've, need, we've needed something that's relatable in our country. So just so American people right now don't think that I'm picking on your system, I'm saying it's so complicated, in my opinion, it's removing the public from any structure of it. It's so convoluted that it's almost by the time it gets to the president, what's really left for the president to do? Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. the more we learn, we learned this with Obama, the more we learn a president wants to get into power and do something really cool to change the world and all this kind of stuff, by the time it passes through all of the filters, it's basically uh, a new flavor or, of yeah. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it's it's literally that. Oh, yeah. we couldn't pass through Medicare properly because we're all a bit stupid. Mm. You get your free Dr. Pepper flavor. You know, yeah. it's like so minimal by the time it reaches the general public that it's almost an impossible battle. And this has all been intriguing because I've lived life where I remember Clinton, I remember Reagan, I remember George Bush and George Bush Jr. Uh, Senior. Uh, George Bush and George Bush Jr. That's what I said. George Bush and George Bush. George Bush we didn't go by junior. senior. He didn't go by senior. Oh, George okay. Bush went by George Bush, and he only became senior when Junior was around because at that point. Yeah, but we never called George Bush Junior Junior. Did yeah, we? we did. 
we called him W, which, as you all w. know, in Texan means junior. It's nothing to do with his middle name. <laughs> George W. We loved that guy because he was a funny guy. He was funny. But uh, in, in his, on purpose. here's the thing, in his administration, <laughs> you had serious power plays. Mm. He changed so many things by signing off. You had Dick Cheney behind him. That's a whole story. But you were having major changes happening in George W. Bush. When Obama came in power, a lot of his first week was to just say, well, that's nuts what you've done there. And that's insane. And yeah. we'll change all of this and do all of this. And no one contested it. The only contesting Obama got was the Medicare situation. Unfortunately. And then that spiraled everything out of control for the guy. Yeah. You know, Republican Senate over and saw everything completely crushed all of his decisions yep. blah 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 we all know the story but i think that you know we've got an election now that is basically a geriatric cage fight mm. and the thing that scares me the thing that scares me and it can only terrify americans all around america yeah it doesn't matter which cake party you want to go to no. who's playing the music which stage who's playing that gig it's the fact that you've got a guy on the on the left whose only policies are hating the guy on the right. Yep. And you've got a guy on the right whose only policies is the guy on the right. <laughs> okay? At the end of the day, man, if you want this political situation to be fixed, America, mm -hmm. and go back to something... Because I think COVID-19 is the least of the problems on the streets in the USA. Oh, yeah. This second wave ain't nothing compared to this next election. Everyone's like, whatever. We're only five months away. Yeah, like the point that I'm trying to say is that when this thing kicks off, you don't want to do on pedestals. Can you imagine what it's going to be like listening to these dudes having a debate? You don't want that. You want a cage yeah. fight. So phone up uh, Dana White, <laughs> phone up Joe Rogan tomorrow and say, dude, UFC, whatever number is on, I think it's like several thousand, five hundred and twelve point i don't know if the point system works in the about. ufc uh it's on numbers they do it all numbers okay ufc volume x um basically you have trump v biden cage match geriatric battle of the ages on the back of an aircraft carrier in the middle of the atlantic and whoever wins mm. whoever loses it doesn't matter because they ain't coming back and that's when you replace them with latinos you have the Lucha Libre, <laughs> the Lucha Libre, uh, there's actually a wrestling crew called this house party, rolls in, and that's the party everyone wants to go to. It really is. I mean, who, who doesn't want to go to a Lucha Libre house party? I would. Sure. So the point yeah. is, like, you know, that's, that's, that's what you got to do. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all a nightmare. So it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't fit, like, to me in the UK, all I see is what the president means to the rest of the world the president of the USA to the rest of the world sends a direct message of possibility. If America's doing well, it inspires every other nation to do well because mm -hmm. a lot of nations are older than the USA. And so they're looking at the USA almost like their baby. And if their baby's doing good in school and getting good grades, we go, oh, cool, we can do stuff. Mm -hmm. I can only tell you, like, when Clinton was in power... We had Nirvana, a major change in music, Alanis Morissette. We had the Britpop revelation, you know, like then Blair gets in power here. There was a whole Jackass premiere, Tony Hawk Pro Skater came out. 
there was this vibe, a real vibe, right? And when Obama was in power, here in the UK, every ethnicity was mixing. There was international communities appearing everywhere. Mm -hmm. People were starting to get like, oh my God, you know, like how much have you got to teach me and how much have I got to teach you? People were idealizing. People were living together in the same house. We actually went to a place where an Iranian was living with a bunch of people from Europe. It was insane, man. Mm -hmm. And just to see how that completely annihilated. And it doesn't matter if it's Republican or Democrat. It matters that the person in the USA seems to set the trend for everyone else in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's why it matters to the British people. So yeah. I'm saying that because I think if you're American right now, you're probably looking around, you're going geez what have we got to feel good about you know you got a lot to feel good about but it, it starts with you yeah, america and does definitely set a sort of cultural pace for the world massively so yeah. massively so super important and yep. it's i you know it's it, i think it's good to point that out it's going to be one of my last points because it's good to point that out because it all interconnects with the themes of today the 30 years of weight and all this stuff and i'll tell you how it does a America and the UK have had a special relationship for many years, mm -hmm. a passive one, an encouraging one, despite a lot of issues in the deep past, if you will. It's also a case where a lot of kids in my generation grew up idolizing a lot of things coming out of Americana because they mm. were so radical. Like I said, we only had Robin on James Bond. You had loads of stuff yeah. in the USA. So a lot of us, our dreams are built around that kind of concept. We'll go there, explore it, and see what's going on. And it's not just my generation. A lot of people way older than me did the cowboy films and all kinds of stuff. The culture has been fascinating. But under Obama, it neutralized the playing field. We were starting to look at Japan for the first time ever. We are starting to look at China with the Olympics the mm -hmm. first time ever. Mm -hmm. And people were getting on. Yep. They were getting on. You had your nutters career and other places and again obama wasn't a perfect politician but it was really what came with that was yeah. hope yeah and just to bring that all the way back to the point i started this podcast with the fenway group brought out liverpool mm -hmm. knowing what history looks like from the boston red stocks knowing what the culture of football was like because they'd researched it and they put in the work to keep the vibe of our club in history and current relevant and not only did they do that they really broadcasted that to the rest of the world and it was it's impacted the city of liverpool mm -hmm. massively likewise american funding the rsc in stratford upon avon my hometown nearby has done exactly the same they mm -hmm. know history they understand the relevance of it the american mind because they don't have that depth of history that we have, but if they're entrepreneurs, they're coming here. They they're really it. helping us, man. Yeah. They're, they're keeping things preserved. And so what I'm trying to say in special relationships that we all have is that it's a combination, folks. So when we sit here as English people and we're bulldozers and Americans, like how silly they are, they play football with their arms, you know, <laughs> uh, they have to wear a helmet for some reason. What's up with that? We're actually jealous. Mm. because that freedom and expression and everything that is truly American comes from Latino countries, well done Spain. And I, I don't really like we on the podcast, we try and mention the news enough, 
and that I do to give you history lessons a lot. I know that, and I, I factual history lessons um, that are very, very good. No, uh, they are. They're, they're brilliant. Not no, they're very factual. You could get a degree. I, I just haven't set this to size. Three hundred and sixty. That'll do. You can get a three hundred and sixty degree from my history lessons. Uh, what I'm and end up in the same place. Yeah, non <laughs> non smart than you began. Yeah, just a waste of time. Um, but basically, yeah, exactly. That's that's where I give it. I'm very good at giving those degrees. Um, you can do a whole ten eighty sometimes. That's that's good. Ten eighty. Yeah, yeah, whole ten eighty. Yeah. You mean one eighty? No, ten eighty. Like no, when it gets over, like, like HD. Yeah, no, a whole ten eighty degree. So you're looking at me like I'm weird. You add 360 to 360, what'd you get? 720? <sighs> Only if you've got a not fully HD television. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta go that 1080 mile. I'm just saying. What's 4K? 4,000. Don't, don't start being smart with me. <laughs> it's 4 kilograms. Everyone knows that. No! Yeah, because the 4K TV weighs 4 kilograms. No, it doesn't. It does. It, weighs... it does. Have you weighed it? It's it's heavier. Is it heavier? Yeah, four kilograms. No, they're really is thin now. They're made out of uh, fiber stuff. Fiber stuff. Yeah, fiber fiber stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a street fiber. Fiber. Anyway, um, uh, that's great for indigestion issues. Four mm. K only weighs four kilograms. Everyone knows that. Yeah, it's true. Eight K is going to be uh, heavier. Yeah. So if you're with me, I'll be here next week. We'll be here all the time. I'm still in the field. Wynn saved me. I'm now in a tent. She found one on eBay. I didn't even know that eBay was a thing. Is that like what? east of the sea? The bay east of the sea? <laughs> or is it alphabetical bay? I don't know what's going on. I know we live on an island. But um, yeah, so I'm out of my chasm. It got pretty gnarly there last week. So we'll be back next week, but it's not going to be a lockdown special. It's going to be normal. Or maybe the new normal, I don't know. I might be standing on my head when I do it. Anyway, you all take care around the world. We love you. Thanks for listening for these 14 weeks. Thanks for bearing with us for these 14 weeks. If you're not a Liverpool supporter now, you will be. The minute you start checking out Jurgen Klopp, and you should. And Germany, another special thank you for giving us Jurgen Klopp. Because you did. You let him go. I don't know how you could do it. I would cry for decades if we let anyone like Jurgen Klopp leave this country. We don't tend to do that. We give everyone the worst. Anyway, we'll be back. Same time, same place. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>